Hello, everyone, and welcome to New Consciousness Review. I'm Miriam Knight, and our guest today is Monica Morani. After getting her BS, Monica worked as a national park ranger in Australia and New Zealand for over 15 years. Now, following a spiritual awakening, Monica began to explore the deeper mysteries of the universe. A world traveler, photographer, researcher, and energy practitioner, Monica was deeply influenced by the cryon books and channelings. This led, eventually, to a trilogy of books that compile and illuminate information from the cryon channelings, as given by Lee Carroll. The first one was called The Gaia Effect, and today we will discuss her newly released second book, The Human Akash. Welcome, Monica. Thank you, Miriam. It's an absolute pleasure to be here talking with you. Now, for those of us who don't really know who Cryon is, since, since he was so uh, influential in your development, tell us about Cryon and how you became involved in his work. Sure. So for those of you who are not familiar with Cryon, Cryon can be described as a loving entity that has been giving profound messages to humanity by Lee Carroll. So Lee Carroll is the original cryon channel for over 25 years. There are other people that are also channeling cryon because spirit and cryon is not proprietary. It's there for all of us. However, I really resonated to the messages of cryon from Lee Carroll. And again, he's been doing that for over 25 years. And my first introduction to cryon happened in 2006 when I moved to New Zealand. And the very first uh, week that I got there and I went into a yoga class, somebody handed me a cryon book, crime uh, book seven, Letters from Home. And there was such a remembrance of the information that I was reading that the cells in my body were literally tingling and buzzing as I was reading this cryon book. And I believe a lot of people that I have talked to over the years have a similar type of experience when they read the cryon books or they hear an audio channel and they, and they have that familiarity of, of feeling to it. You know, that is so interesting because cryon was the first book that I read that after my husband had this kind of explosive spiritual awakening when a friend of ours who shot himself started talking to him afterwards. Um, and I had the very same experience. I read book one and there was something that just resonated so deeply with me that I thought this makes sense out of so much that doesn't make sense about why we're here. What is it all about? Mm -hmm. And, and I, that started me on the journey. So I'm delighted that you have taken this a step further because you've actually looked into, um, compiling the information from all of the cryon books. And I think there were what, 13? Yes. There's, uh, 13 different cryon books, plus Lee also has the Indigo Children books. They, they are kind of separate, but yes, 13 cryon books. And normally the, the books feature the current information 
of when it is published and written. So you, you go through and you can actually kind of see how the channelings also change through, through the years. And even now I find that we have moved into 2014, which Crohn is really calling year one, where we've turned a page in the history of humanity where we're moving towards a, con a higher consciousness and, and peace and we've passed one of those decision markers. And so the channelings now are more intense and of shorter duration than what I have been seeing in the past. So we have this whole lineage of, you know, the channeling and how it changes and it's in response to the consciousness of the group. This is one of the beautiful things about the cryon channels is when cryon comes in, there is a difference depending upon the audience that is gathered there in front of Lee at the time. So, yes, a lot of the information was all scattered. And the earliest, I think, the Akash information started coming in is at around the year 2000, 2001. And it's, it's given as teachings over several years. And so I really was driven to firstly do the Gaia book because that was my passion as a National Park Ranger. I always had that deep affinity and connection to the Earth and Gaia and it was really disturbing to me that more people were not aware of the consciousness that our planet has and there's a beautiful benevolent system to interact with Gaia and humanity. So uh, compiling the information about the Akash was a natural follow-on from writing that first book and I think it's one that is going to be really, really helpful and valuable to people, particularly because in the book that I have written, I'm not just compiling the channeled information, I have the privilege of being able to ask Cryon further questions to help clarify some of the things that I think for me are the missing pieces of the puzzle. So there's a lot of brand new information about our Akash that's uh, now in the book that you won't find anywhere else. Now, in the book, you mentioned that there are actually three kinds of Akashic records associated with a human being. So can you tell us what they are? Okay. So I think rather than three kinds, you're more referring to the, the locations of where the Akash is found. Would that be correct? Um, yeah, there, there, yeah, there are many different threes. There, there are are three types of consciousness and I mean pick a three any three okay. start us off yes yes okay so this the, I mean the energy of three wow I really want to take it totally another place now because this is going to be also featuring in my next book which is featuring on the human soul and we have three groups of three so I guess the Akash book really focuses on the human soul group which is part of that three sets of three. And in that human soul group, you have human consciousness, you have innate, which is also your body intelligence, and you have your higher self. So these are all uh, aspects of how we communicate with our Akash. So the Akash, just like light and gravity, it is multi-dimensional 
energy and information. So if I was to ask, where, where is gravity? The answer is, well, gravity is everywhere. It's all around us. It's, it's the same with your Akash. It's multidimensional. It's everywhere. It's all around you. But it's also carried within your DNA. So your DNA has a multidimensional attribute or field around it and that this is where we have those pieces and parts of our Akashic record stored within that DNA field and so your Akash communicates to you in a very very unique way and this is this is probably one of the hardest things for people to understand the concept that your Akash does not communicate via the brain the brain has synapse and memory and has a dialogue and it delivers to you in a very linear way your akash is not a function of the brain so it relies on having other mechanisms to communicate with you and there are drivers that push your akashic information to you via your emotions so you might walk into the pyramids of Egypt and you have this strong feeling of remembrance that you were here and you did something but you don't remember what you don't remember the exact name you don't remember the dates you don't remember the fine details that your brain gives you through memory but you remember the overview and the feeling does does that help to explain we might have uh, gotten a little bit ahead of the game. So <laughs> going back to the concept of the Akash, mm-hmm. basically it's a repository of information. Yes. And, and it is deposited in different places and accessed in different ways. So why don't you start us off from there? Yes. Okay. So... Um I actually want to go just a little even earlier than that to just explain to people that really don't even know what the Akash is. I just want to point out that the human Akash, it's part of a system of reincarnation that includes karma and life lessons. So your Akash, it carries energies that push and pull us in various ways and it it prompts us to do things in everyday life and it's responsible for our fears and phobias but also uh talents so the the whole the depository of this and this akashic system it's a type of energy accounting that keeps track of you every single time that you experience life on earth and so when you come in when you're born you pick up that depository of talents, fears, phobias, skills, abilities, and wisdom that you had. And, and it is sitting there within, within you, ready to be accessed. So that- that's how we, uh, we express um, in this life, everything that we experience is deposited into this this kind of vibrational field or record and and we can access it um uh, through many lives uh and we kind of decide we we, um okay i don't want to jump ahead yeah no that's fine so really we have let's go back to the notion 
of actually storing this information. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned that um, our information is stored in our DNA. Um, how do you conceive of that as, as working? It's quite complex and I guess difficult to, to portray the whole, whole picture of it. We, we have multidimensional field that surrounds the DNA and within that area, and this is where I, I like to point out to people that a beautiful complement to this book is Crime Book 12, which talks about the 12 layers of DNA that Cryon has given us. It's a beautiful, well-described book talking about the layers of DNA, the multidimensional components of them, and within those layers of DNA is the Akashic records. So if you, if you want to look at your DNA and you want to go with me for a moment and, and understand that there's 12 layers and 12, 12 sort of energies that Crian has described. And within those 12, we have sitting in there our Akashic record. I think one of the things we need to ask ourselves is what is, if it's true that we have past lives and if it's true that we come in every time and we have a depository of experiences within our Akash, what is the purpose of having that depository? Well, the purpose is really available for us to go in and use. And I really like the term that Crian uses. What if, what if this is a gold mine where you can go in and mine your Akash to bring to you all of those attributes that you want to have in this life? All, think of all those lives you've lived, all the wisdom that you have, all those experiences that you have. Wouldn't it be wonderful to tap in to all of those mas- mastery pieces of you? Doesn't Cryon give the example of um, young prodigies like a four-year-old who plays the, the piano or violin like a maestro? Yes, yes. So really those... Prodigies, Crian describes those as the creatives. And Crian has actually said to master that craft and that skill, it requires at least three to four lifetimes. You don't get it all in the one lifetime to become to that high level of mastery. So if you can imagine a sculptor or a, or a painter or a musician wanting to master their craft, and we, and we might live for 60 to 80 years and they have that whole lifetime of developing that skill and talent. When they pass over and come back into life again, the first thing that they want to do is pick up a paintbrush or go to the piano and continue, continue on that expression of life that was so profound and significant the last time around. And so when they get to be such an amazing prodigy, they've already had that lifetime, those lifetimes of experience in developing their skill. And this is why when we see somebody that comes to the piano at four years of age and not only plays the piano, but when you see them doing techniques where they 
cross the left hand over the right hand. That is not an intuitive movement. This is something that musicians have to be trained into doing. And when you see that just happen spontaneously with a four-year-old child, the first thing you have to ask yourself is, where does that come from? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the the DNA or the layers of of uh, DNA that uh, Cryon talks about, um, he is actually explaining what scientists have called junk DNA. Um, can you expand on that? Sure. So just a few years ago, uh, the junk DNA. There, there have been some discoveries where the junk DNA thought to not do anything. They, scientists have discovered that it's actually information that is being given to the protein encoding parts of DNA. It's, it's kind, and this is also really marries up beautifully with the work of Dr. Bruce Lipton. Who has, who's an immune biologist and he's written some wonderful books, Biology of Belief, um, Spontaneous Evolution and The Honeymoon Effect. So all of the research that Bruce Lipton has been doing as well points to the fact that your DNA cells have uh, instructions and it's the instructions that, which is that multidimensional information, which has always been thought to be junk DNA, which is now discovered to actually have the instruction sets and codes. There's still not a great deal amount of information known about this sort of mysterious multidimensional instruction code set of, of the DNA. However, we are moving towards learning more and more about it. And one of the most exciting discoveries that I've uh, been aware of is that Russian linguists have actually been looking at these DNA coding and worked out that the DNA responds to words, thoughts, emotions, and frequencies. Now, this is something that esoteric and spiritual teachers have always known that the vibration and frequency around us can affect and change our DNA. So all of a sudden we're now seeing researchers in more traditional medical and scientific fields taking note and uh, suddenly experiencing and documenting these kinds of esoteric beliefs and things that we've always known that vibration and frequency can change and affect our DNA. Now, this this can take us back to the beginning of the conversation about encoding because um, the, the research that you quoted in the book talks about um, only like two levels of DNA being responsible for actual structure, but the rest is more at the quantum level and it is at the level of pure information, pure consciousness. And this gets us back to the uh, beginning of the book where you talk about Akashic records being stored in three different places Mm -hmm. um, and uh, stored as information 
in the crystalline grid. So can you yes. take us there? Sure, I can. So really, Crian has told us that the Akash, where it is found, is really three places, but actually four. I'm going to save the fourth one when we work through the first three. <laughs> so obviously the one that we've just spent a lot of time talking about is the one where it's stored within your DNA component. There are two other things that Crian talks about in his channeled messages, and it's also explained in detail in the Gaia effect because it relates to Gaia, our planet Earth. We, there is a cave of creation, and this is a name that Crian has given to a cave that's both physical but it will never be found, and it's esoteric. Within the Earth is the cave of creation, and Crian says that within this cave is a crystal with your name on it. So every soul on the planet has a crystal within that cave. And the first thing that happens when we come into the planet is that we go into our cave and the crystal that is yours becomes activated and everything that's stored within that crystal. Now, crystals hold vibration and memory. So the vibration and memory of every experience that you have had as an expression of life on the planet is then stored within that crystal, within the cave of creation. So when you come in at birth, that information is transferred to you via the crystalline grid, which is a grid on the planet that holds memory and vibration of what happens on the earth. And those mechanisms, those three places, your DNA, the crystalline grid, and the cave of creation are those three areas of where your Akashic record is kept and, and the mechanism of how it's transferred. So the cave of creation, it's like the energy accounting system within the planet as you come and go to the planet. This is the place where the vibration and memory is held within the planet. When you come onto the planet, you pick it up and the crystalline grid, which is a, a, a crystalline grid all around the planet, this, is, this now comes into play where you can walk into a specific area. Now, if you're in the, and the crystalline grid within that area, it holds the memory of what's happened within that area. So this is why when we go into, or people that are sensitive, I should say, and feel energies. This is when they go into a place and there was a huge battle, a battlefield. They can feel the horror and the drama that occurred in that area because it's stored within the crystalline grid. So there is one layer where you are feeling the energies of humanity and what happened to that event. And let's just take that further to the individual person it also means that where you come to a place where you personally did something or had an experience, the crystalline grid is that mechanism, it's that feedback loop of communicating to your DNA and your Akash of what happened within that one area. So earlier I gave the example of going to the 
pyramids and feeling that this you had a past life there and experiencing a remembrance that's also not just coming from your akash but it's coming from the crystalline grid that is under the feet of you as you are walking around on the earth connecting and communicating to you does that help to explain so is the crystalline grid also the mechanism by which um uh, intuitives can speak to people who are you know dead granny and auntie yes this is the again as i said the crystalline grid holds memory and vibration so when when things have happened uh when hauntings have happened uh this is the crystalline grid it's crime describes it as the ultimate tape recorder where it will just play something over and over and over and this is when we can t- tap into that multidimensional field we're picking up those energies and those experiences of uh the multidimensional field that that is there mm mm-hmm. um to change gears a moment mm-hmm. cryon said some very intriguing things about past lives um particularly about gender he said that we tend to go on a roll of a particular gender and then we go into a transition period and then switch tell us about that particularly the transition period yes so the gender switching is something that Cryon has uh said many times that all of us if it's if we all come in to have many experiences then Cryon has said all of us have been both genders and uh when you when and then he talks about you know what happens in that period of gender switching so when you've had dozens of lifetimes as the same gender you become very very used to it it's comfortable and you you can't actually conceive of being anything else so let's turn the page and the next time you come in you come in as the opposite gender so if you have had lifetime experiences of being one gender and doing things in that comfortable way and now this is your year 1 of being the next gender uh you're going to have what crying calls gender confusion <laughs> so crying actually crying actually says that it takes at least 3 lifetimes for those those people to get used to it and even in those 3 lifetimes you have that what crying calls gender confusion and then crying this is what i love though because crying then says it isn't confusion at all it's absolutely normal and yet our society will see see it as abnormal and put a label on it as um being gay or homosexual and the irony is that all of us have been part of this system it's it's what we do and there is always at least uh, according to cran 10% of the planet is always going through the uh, agenda switch <laughs> i found that that fascinating and you know in in many ways illuminating because while people are in this transitional period they're able to access the sort of spiritual attributes of both sides and they have a very unique contribution to make 
Absolutely. I have always found that uh, the, those who are in this gender switch are so in touch with the constant communications with their intuition. So uh, examples of, you know, how do we get in touch with our intuition? When someone writes a piece of music, that's coming straight through their pineal, straight through their intuition. And a lot of the times, musicians, they actually already know the melody that they can hear in their head. It's all, all delivered at once, and then they have to go through the painstaking process of recording and writing down each musical note of a composition that they've already heard in their head. It's the same with a sculptor. When they see a block of stone, they already can visualise the, the carved complete image and so what they have to do then is chip away the pieces of stone that are in the way of their finished sculpture so this is direct communication with intuition and yeah it is very interesting now that you made that point that a lot of people in that gender switch uh, position tend to have quite a beautiful strong connection with their higher self and their intuitive thoughts. Well, this might be a good opportunity to talk about what Kryon calls the the innate and those mm-hmm. three uh, divisions. Sure. So your innate is also known as your intelligent body consciousness. And this is this is where things work with kinesiology. So if people don't know about kinesiology, one of the things that uh, kinesiologists do is muscle testing. So uh, an example is that if you want to know whether you're allergic to a substance, you can hold the substance in your hand and the kinesiologist will test with a muscle test as to whether or not it's appropriate for your body to have that substance. And so... The, the, the well, the, um, this muscle testing yeah. really is just a way to ac- to bypass the conscious mind and access yes. your intuition directly. Yes, so, correct. I mean, whether you do it through muscle testing or through balance or through dowsing or mm-hmm. automatic writing or whatever, it really is just accessing this this deep intuition, which according to my understanding of your book, is becoming much more prevalent and much more accessible by people today. Yes, yes, it is. So you're... um, Uh, So is this part of this new energy that Cryons had started in 2012? That's correct. So we are moving towards... Cryon has said that the benevolent system that is there to support us, it's now becoming increasing in its availability to all of us. So one of the things you'll notice in the Cryon books is when he talks about old energy in an older energy. And I want to get to, uh, before we finish, I really want to cover a very important topic that relates to our Akash, which is called karma. So... Before I get to the karma, I just want to explain that Crone often talks about the older energy and how things were 
done in an older energy because the consciousness of the planet was in a certain path and certain direction. And until that shifted, there, were, there wasn't really the ability to, to fully gain all of what we, what we can access. This, this also relates to the fact, the interrelationship between human consciousness and the collective human consciousness and how that changes humanity on the planet. So, and our, and our own DNA efficiency. So again, getting back to the DNA, we, when you see the masters on the planet, they have their DNA operating at a hundred percent. They can materialize items out of the air. They, they had extraordinary abilities of healing. And this comes from very enhanced, very efficient DNA. So Cryon has said that uh, our DNA currently is probably sitting around 33%. So it, it has a long way to go before we get to that level of, of mastery that we would see the masters on, on the planet come to. So now that we have turned a corner our DNA efficiency is moving up to 35, possibly even 40% for some people. And what happens is when you get to that level, everything starts kicking in and working better. Your communication with your innate is becoming even stronger. Innate that's in your body, it knows everything chemically that's going on in your body and it knows all of the information about you with your Akash. And so when we have a more efficient system we have more communication flowing between our human consciousness and our innate body intelligence mm -hmm. um okay why don't we talk about karma for a moment because then i'd like to get into what cryon called mining the akash right so karma is about situations with other humans and unfinished business. It's feelings that need to be completed and a system in interaction. So the reason why karma is a biggie is because it's... Let's go back to crime book one. This is where crime even says to void your karma. And that karma was a system needed in older energy, but it's no longer needed now. So the reason why karma is a biggie is because it will actually stop spiritual development. Karma creates victims, it creates the fears, it creates dysfunction and the cycle of continuing drama. So when we can void our karma, it then allows us to move into a newer energy where we, we have new levels of understandings and new, new levels of responsibility for everything that is around us. Mm. There's no more playing the role of the victim and there's no more accidents because the, the choice becomes yours as to where you go. So, a, yeah. Well, one of the things that um, perhaps uh, struck me the most was the difference between karma and life lesson. Mm -hmm. So in, in a nutshell, karma 
is the relationship between your life and your energy and those around you, whereas your life lesson is just what you personally have to learn and accomplish and, and experience and develop in this life. So if you're talking about karmic attachments and releasing mm-hmm. these mm-hmm. karmic attachments, it's releasing those energy cords that tie you into old situations, into old repetitive patterns. That's right. So, yeah, Crine says that it's the karma is ancient and slow, and it's about the group that is around you and your emotional energies that's developed from that. And it's all of those unfulfilled energetic puzzles that drive us to do things. So, uh Crohn's even talked about karma being the default guide of direction for humans on the planet. And, and this is what creates four or five generations of firemen, four or five generations of policemen, you, because you fall into that groove of what you think you're supposed to do and what your parents tell you, and that's what you go and do. Mm-hmm. It, it's, part, it's your karmic, karmic uh, driver that, that forces you down into, into that path. You're absolutely right. Life lessons are completely separated from karma because they're more personal. They, they can still be related to your karmic energy, but they stay with you even when you void your karma. So when you drop your karma and, and void that aspect of it, you still have those personal life lessons to work through. So what is the result of voiding your karma? Okay, so for those people who drop their karma, it basically, the beautiful metaphor that I like from Cryon for those people who drop their karma and what does that mean? What, what does that mean? Imagine you are in a boat and you are floating on the ocean. Now, you, ha- you have the boat and you have no control over the ocean and you have no control over the weather. So someone who hasn't dropped their karma, they are pretty much just a victim in the boat, subject to the whim and will of the ocean and the whim and will of the weather. When you void your karma, all of a sudden it's as though the person in the boat can turn around and see that there is a a rudder or a tiller on the boat that they can grab with their hand and all of a sudden they now realize they have the ability to steer and navigate the boat in the ocean. And this is the metaphor that Crian uses where when you drop your karma, it's no more being the victim. You take control of your life and your responsibility of your experiences. We cannot control the ocean and the weather, but we can steer our boat and navigate our way so that we can direct us out of the storm and out of the mm-hmm. weather. And it's the same personally. We cannot control other people. And most relationships and most issues that we have is when we have difficulty in, well, that person's not doing what I like them to do, or my boss at work isn't uh, giving me what recognition that I need. And so all of our problems and conflicts come from this uh, lack of 
everyone else doing what we want them to do. <laughs> so yeah. dropping your karma now puts the responsibility onto yourself. So I can't control what that person does, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I can control myself and my emotions and how I want to behave and act. So this. this is really a function of a conscious decision or conscious intent to yes. release all of those energy ties and just to move forward um, on your own path without uh, feeling victim or victor, I should say. Yes, exactly, exactly. Okay. So let's get on to, um, back to the Akashic Record. When you say mining the Akash, you're talking about having access to that whole storehouse of information, talents, experiences that you've accumulated through many, many lifetimes. How do you actually access it and bring it forward so you can use it in this lifetime? Yeah. Well, this really is the big question, isn't it? <laughs> there are, um, there's quite a few categories that Crian has talked about with uh, regards to mining the Akash. But before I get into those, I want to just ask, um, a, what if it is as simple as listening to your first intuitive thought? Because our Akash, it's continually communicating with us through intuition and and probably through dreams as well. And, and through dreams, all of that. So, so really the question is, how can I, um, mining your Akash is more about how can I tune into my intuition? How can I tune myself into my own radio station frequency of my Akash that is continually being broadcasted? And, you know, there's various modalities that can help with this we there's meditation there's guided meditation there's energy work there's people that can do past life regression there's the emotional freedom tapping techniques a whole range of modalities and healing attributes that can help with this process i think too that if we can get into our own meditative state and have a dialogue with ourself and listen to what is your first intuitive thought. This is, this is something that takes practice. Intuitive thought comes so fast and so quick and then it's gone that you even question what, well, what was that that I just thought I heard? And then what happens is your left brain, which is very logical in its thinking, it will dismiss it because it's not in its logical structure. It didn't, didn't come in as a linear message. And therefore, you start questioning and doubting yourself. So one of those really, I think, the key here to mining your Akash is becoming in touch with your own intuition because that will guide you to accessing the information that's, that's continually being broadcasted. And, well, yeah, it's learning a different communication uh, there's another aspect to that, which is the actual conviction and belief that what you are hearing is real and, and your ability to um, get in touch or to put into effect in your life 
in your cells is a real effect. I mean, this this is the foundation of spontaneous remission from disease, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it does it doesn't come easily. Uh, for some people it does, but really it is tuning in with your intuitive thoughts and communication. And for a lot of people when they begin, it's about having the validation of, you know, you're doing it correctly. So something that something that people find very easy to do, and this is a beautiful example that Lee Carroll gives in his lectures, is when he talks about the parking angel. Now, do you know what I mean when I talk about the parking angel? Oh, I certainly do. I call <laughs> on it all the time. So this is this is where... Uh, for those listening who don't know about the parking angel, this is where you are driving in your car and it's, you know, Saturday morning and everyone is out ready to go shopping and the car park is so incredibly full and probably the friend next to you is even saying to you, don't even bother going to this car park. It's gonna, you're never going to get a car park. Um, this happens to me with my sister a lot. And I always say, don't worry, we're going to get a car park. So we drive along and the parking angel is with you, right? And it's telling you to go left, go right, go straight ahead. Just try going up here. And as soon as you listen to that and do it, you navigate your way to an empty car park space. So synchronicity is working with you. So this is another big one that we haven't really talked about. But in your Akash, if you if it's multidimensional, it knows everything about you. Well, everybody else's Akash knows everything about them as well. And so you have this whole system operating where your needs are already known before you get to that car park. And the biggest thing... I guess I'm going to challenge listeners here that instead of trying to use the parking angel as an, as an entity or force outside of you, why not be your own parking angel? And this is your intuition because you already have the wisdom and knowledge and access. It's a piece and part of you that is also up there. So I, I really would love people to have fun and experiment and play with not having the parking angel find things for you, but creating that for yourself with yourself. <laughs> and and this is the funny thing where Lee Carroll says, I, I bet you when you try it the first time you're gonna fail. <laughs> and <laughs> well what happens what happens when you're going around the corner and that space that your parking angel was telling you about is just taken up by somebody backing into it. Maybe their parking angel is stronger than your parking angel. <laughs> Frustrating. Anyway, Monica, tell us about your website how to, uh, and you have an, another book coming out. I do. So uh, the third book in this trilogy series is going to be on the human soul revealed and it will cover a lot of the things that Lee Carroll's doing in his current lecture series, which is the nine attributes of the human being. And it's, it's a beautiful trilogy, the series, because in the nine attributes we have the Gaia soul group, the human soul group, and the core soul group. So the three books will represent those three 
energies, if you like, the, the Gaia group, the human group, which is the Akash, and then the soul group, which is the third book. And it's, I guess, puts, puts it all into that com- complete picture. Now, my website also, it's, it's, which is monica.marani. You better spell that. So which we will, which I will spell. So Monica is M-O-N-I-K-A and Marani is M-U-R-A-N-Y-I. So it's all one word, monicamarani.com. And when I wrote my first book, Miriam, I, it was my, my first attempt at doing it and I had a lot of encouragement from Lee Carroll and said, well, you know, have you thought about this and make sure you compile all the information that Crone has said about Gaia. So I really expanded what I was compiling. That My main focus was the three energy grids of Gaia, but I focused on other areas as well. So when I handed in my book to my publisher, they told me, look, it's actually too long. <laughs> So you're going to have to cut out some chapters. And I thought, well, I've already written those chapters and I've asked questions to cry on which are answered. What am I going to do with them? And straight away, my first intuitive thought was put them on the website, make them free and available to everybody. So there is a a link on my website or a tab. It's called the Extras. And under that Extras tab, is where there is a whole lot of additional chapters relating to the Gaia book. Now, I've just finished writing the Human Akash book and there are also extra chapters that I wrote to complement the book, which I knew now now that I know how much um, words my publisher wants, <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can target that for the books, but I still wanted to cover some other subjects such as what we just talked about the parking angel and synchronicity. So if that is something that you want to have more information about, there's a, there's an extra chapter there on how we uh, work with co-creation and synchronicity. And there's also an extra chapter there on um, working with innate. So we didn't go into it in much detail here or in my, my book, there's more, more covered for free on my website. Absolutely. Well, you know, this has been uh, an attempt to cover some very difficult, very esoteric subjects. And, you know, if we've even managed to raise some questions, uh, open some possibility in people's minds, I think we've achieved our goal. Anyway, Monica, thank you so much. We've been speaking with Monica Murani about her book, The Human Akash. Thank you, Monica. Thank you, Miriam. Next week, we speak with poet and philosopher Mark Nepo about his book, The Endless Practice, Becoming Who You Were Born to Be. And now we conclude with our track of the week. This week, it's by James Twyman from his book of prayers, and this track is the Christian prayer. It takes the words of the prayer of St. Francis and puts them to very moving music.
Where there's injury, pardon, O Lord, teach me. Where there's despair, we will bring your home, and where there's doubt, bring. And where there's darkness, your light. And where there is sadness, bring your joy. Your joy. Your joy, O Divine Master, grant that we may not seek to be understood as to understand. The Christian Prayer from his CD 12 Prayers by James Twyman. James has a new movie that is in the theaters now called Redwood Highway. It's a wonderful film, and if you see it in town, don't miss it. Jimmy's website is jamestwyman.com. Well, that's our show for today. I do hope you'll join us next week. Until then, you can visit our website at ncreview.com. 
I'm Miriam Knight for New Consciousness Review. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.